0: This is Creek with At the Table Podcast. Here at At the Table Podcast, our goal is to break down biblical topics, make scripture easy to understand, and to glorify God in His Word. We pray this content edifies, challenges, and blesses you. So without further ado, Sit back and join us at the table.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of At The Table podcast. It's me, your host, Trey, with my two wonderful co-hosts, John Creek. How's it going, boys? Good.
2: Good. I was trying to brainstorm a way to make the At The Table jingle, kind of like Doofenshmirtz Evil Incorporated. Why? Why?
1: You for church table, Evil Incorporated.
2: incorporated.
1: Oh, Perry the Platypus? <laughs> 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 I don't know the man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know why you suddenly chose that.
2: I don't know. Your brain works in an interesting way. You just made me think. We need a jingle. At the team At the team, Like a like at a quartet or like, I'm gonna
0: soundbite him on that too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like a quintet That's of like <laughs> Speaking about the table Me and Creek put some meat on the table this morning Let's go What did y'all kill? Yo. Well We uh, went out duck hunting man mallards. Killed four mallards My soul blesses the Lord Yeah Yes. For real though I saw a dove land on Creek as he was shooting that, Yeah I know Wow The spirit came upon him and he couldn't miss God's good man for real, you changing time. the subject. We, no,
0: I'm saying like I praise God for the harvest, dude. Yeah, like, you
1: did really well. Nothing bad happened at all. Well, I might as well talk about it.
2: <laughs> Let me pick it. It's bitterness. been a season of struggle, More and up.
0: so then finally there's this victorious moment where like I got the ducks. You know, I feel like God has blessed my prayers and efforts. I can't remember. There's a verse in Proverbs that says like the lazy will starve and the yeah. the hard worker will. I don't right. know, get meat on the hunt or whatever. Not be bad. Can't remember what Not it is, starve. <laughs> but a <clears throat> little sleep, a little slumber, a little but folding of the hand. I got this new Phil Robertson Pro Series duck call that's like a hundred bucks and I lost half of it. So That's
2: sad. I that's love okay, how we though. just like
1: give free advertising. Oh like yeah. I mean they're
0: dude, like, dude, that's probably Christians. the best duck call in
1: the market.
2: Yeah. Like the best duck call makers on the market too. So. Love them brothers. Phil you're you believers on this podcast. For
1: real. Come on.
2: Come on <laughs> So you, you so can long. you can
1: do a little soundbite of how you show us how show us how you blow that old
2: duck we call. We not you, oh, we want you. Want you want a soundbite?
1: No, I want you to edit that out. On the this
2: podcast. Not <laughs> <Get laughs> the table. <We're> not. <laughs> <Get> the table. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. So anyway, Creekloss is a uh, brand new duck call. I Need mean an auto tune button. It struck him. <laughs> Calamity. The, the it just struck him and well. He was, the gates of hell will not prevail <laughs> <laughs> He said i pronounce judgment on you COVID-19 COVID-19 No
0: <laughs> Sorry for all y'all listening with
1: headphones
2: <laughs> uh, I can't
1: dude Dude that I'm was legit. a perfect He sounds exactly like Kenny Cope uh,
0: Be it far from me Dude You're good
2: spirits Wow I don't even. I don't. I, I. I. don't even know what to say, dude.
1: Dude, I watched this video this morning. And this will kind of segue us towards what we're gonna talk about a little bit today. <laughs> but um, I watched this video this morning. It was him like teaching his church on communion, God. and this brother is like has the communion cup and he starts <laughs> quoting Jesus like, "This is my blood poured out for you," and he starts pretending to run a knife across his hand over the chalice. <laughs> I was just like. Jesus, this is why so many people they look at any charismata, any Pentecostal, and they're just like, what in the
2: heck? What a strange thing to do. Why would you do that? That's <laughs> the nicest word. That's I like Jim Jones on Roids. It's like, well, like, it's just
0: so sad. Like, it's just depressing. Like, there's verses in Corinthians saying, like, if you're not taking this with reverence, that's why there's oh, plague man. among
1: you. It's like it what says, the crap? for this
2: reason, many are sick and are dying among you. It's, oh, it's crazy, man. You know, because to me, I, one of the first things that comes to mind is I'm I'm blessed to have some awesome brothers in the Lord in my circle. And let's just say I was to come to some of y'all and say, "Hey, to teach a sermon on communion." Oh yeah, great idea. Cool thinking about doing a, a, a prop, an illustration. Okay, what do you think? <laughs> and then I just described that, you know. Yeah, it's a definite no. It's a de- yeah, I'm grateful to have people that would be a, I will tackle you off the stage before I let it's you do crazy, that. Crazy, dude. You know, and I, it, it does make you wonder for some of those guys, I guess on a serious Sometimes, note. Sometimes, yeah. Where's your, do you have an accountability circle that ever like tells you this isn't a good idea and you just don't listen to them? Or do you just not have one? Well, I
1: I think sometimes it's there. I think sometimes they just ad-lib this stuff. Because sometimes whenever he was pronouncing judgment on COVID-19, the guy beside him was just like, what the freaking heck is going on? (laughs) He's at the pulpit like, oh, my God. I think he was like repeating what he was saying too, like barely like, oh,
0: we rebuke COVID-19. Yeah, well, Uh, there was like three
1: times where he thought the the prophetic judgment of COVID-19 was over. And so he was like, Winding it down, and then Kenny Coburn went back out. I pronounced judgment on you, COVID 19. (laughs) He just kept going back in, and he was Uh, every time the guy beside him was like, You could tell it wasn't like practiced, mm. he was just going off the cuff. (sighs) Boy, how how do you feel about that? What are are we talking
0: about today? What's at the table, everybody? Yes, yes, yes. other than
2: duck breasts, other than duck breasts. Hey, that's a they're gonna be tasty. Thank you, Jesus. So today we're going to do a topical episode, our first one we dropped in a while, and um, this kind of came up because, I mean, the three of us, I guess, mildly participate in social media at least, probably not excessively any of us three, but, you know, we all three have Facebook and we, we follow YouTube. yeah YouTube and such, at, at least, you know, I can't speak for them, but for me in particular, you know, I follow a couple of pages on Facebook that are, that are ran by some of my brothers on, on the reform side of the spectrum, leaning more towards the, the hardcore five point Calvinism, you know, um, reformers, maybe some speckled, you know, in between that aren't that way, but at least sympathize with those that don't like weirdness going on in the church, much like us. And so (laughs) there's a couple of pages that I follow and, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna name their names, but it seems like lately, it's content. Normally, it's content is just like spoof stuff. You know, they take like this shot of something that's done in a church somewhere. Most of the time, it's a mega church by someone that's. Let's just say their character is being called into question at at minimum, at best. We're and a name drop. Yeah, and they do some some very very cringy things that just ought not ever be done ever, especially on a pulpit. And they yeah. make a meme out of it, and a lot of times their memes are pretty funny. So I will follow it, and I'm like, you know, I don't know that this kind no. of humor is actually what somebody should engage in, but well, it's <laughs> but it's funny. There's so some I fleshly the side of me that laughs. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But long st- yeah, long story short, the content of a lot of these pages lately, I don't know if a lot of the, um, what do you call them, page managers are managing some of the same pages, but the content seems to be like largely about cessationism. because of the movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. John MacArthur's movie. church has a movie coming
1: out called The Cessationist. So oh, Johnny Mac, huh? Yeah,
2: the Calvinist pope is dropping his movie. Wow. Well, <laughs> long story short, you know, on these topical episodes, we want to engage in stuff in all variety, as we said at the beginning of launching this thing. But kind of felt like this could be something very practical, you know. And first and foremost, I think all of us would like to say, "If you believe in Jesus, you're our guy." No matter what side of the spectrum here you fall on, um, that's that's the paramount thing. <laughs> You've got to have the gospel yeah. to make it to make it to heaven. And if you love Jesus, you know, even if I'm wrong or you're wrong on certain points, that that don't mean we can't be brothers. Yeah,
1: I mean that that ultimately is the truth. That there's a dogmatic. Yeah. area around the personhood of jesus his godhood you know all of that and and i like the way that a brother who's come onto our podcast has, has always you know described that uh dr um christopher ryan gate shout out to you brother Um uh, he, he actually was the one that kind of taught me this you have to be able to do doctrinal triage you have to be able to separate things that are
2: you know doctrine from dogma yeah
1: dog dogma doctrine and then belief and the things that are dogmatic, like I said, most of those things are going to center around who Jesus is. Those are things that can't be messed with. If you start saying that Jesus isn't God, or that he wasn't, you know, at any point he wasn't God, then, you know, that that's that's going to fall into that car- category of, of dogma, and we're going to break faith over that. Then there's doctrine. These are things that you hold with a closed hand, right? You know, the things that you believe and you, you, you kind of hold that with a closed hand and you hold on to that. But ultimately we submit to, to Christ and, and his ability to reform us and to change us where we're wrong. Pun intended. Because there's been a lot of people, yeah, no doubt, there's been a <laughs> lot of people that have had established quote-unquote doctrine that have come to a deeper revelation of Jesus through his word and, have, and have, have changed their mind. And then there's things that we would just call beliefs, right? Those are things that, like, we hold with an open hand. Right. I currently believe this to be true. But I'm I can be convinced otherwise. Like
0: manna from heaven is the yeah, same as a
1: gasino burrito. That's the <laughs> <a> blue. <belief. laughs> <laughs> that
2: would be a very open-handed belief. Hey, they make good biscuits out there, too. I'm not going to lie. Amen. I've never eaten there. For the I've record, we, we don't fraternize with the casino. Right, Just right. the gas station. You're <laughs> one of the Pentecostals <laughs> going to that casino <laughs> down there. Yeah, <laughs> we just disqualified ourselves. Right. We just disqualified ourselves. Listen to, to our Street. podcast. We just blew all our money at the <laughs> casino
1: yesterday. No, but seriously. Yeah. So we have to be able to do yeah. doctrinal triage. And okay. this is this is kind of a an... More of a subject of doctrine, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't. I don't believe that this should be a dogmatic issue for anybody. This should yeah. be an issue of doctrine, um, yeah. And so this is something right. that people on both sides are kind of hold with that firm hand. They, right. they hold it and, and they believe it. I think that, like most things, and John or John you know, Creek, feel free to disagree with me. But I think that a lot of times the extreme responses in this doctrine come from trauma on one side or the other. A
2: hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of the times that's the way pendulum swings work is be because we we tend to think about um like the further we are from error or a certain kind of error means the further we are from error in general in our way of thinking and that's not always true. You know, you can you can distance yourself so far, you know, let's just kinda use the 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 polls for an example, right? If you're if the goal is truth and let's just say the truth is at the equator right and you're at the north pole and you bounce to the south pole i mean all the way down to the other side you've only distanced yourself from the error that is at the north pole yeah. but you haven't made yourself actually any closer to the truth that's in the middle right you've just bit on a different kind of thinking and a lot of that is done i think how, like trey said and you know creek can add to this but you know you got you got bit and, and it made you feel duped. It made you feel stupid or or abused. And so you toss the baby out with the bathwater and jump ship.
0: Right. And I think like dogma about dumb things or not even dumb things, but just things that are, I don't want to say unimportant, but. Secondary. Right. Yeah. Like, or dumb things, but, you know, they can burn people. Yeah. yeah. And that's what's happening. And, and I've noticed like, you know, I don't have any real stat here, but. I've noticed, like, kids that grew up in Reformed homes will end up in yeah. charismatic churches and vice versa. Vice versa, yeah.
1: Right. I think that before we go
2: any further, let's let's go ahead and define cessationism. Yeah, that's a good point. <clears throat> so yeah. today, just for a, a source, I'm going to be quoting an article I found that was uh, published through Zondervan. If you, it, you think, man, Zondervan sounds familiar— if you have a Strong's exhaustive concordance at home, a lot of the times Zondervan is the the publisher that those concordances will go through. Right. Um, so this this article is called "Understanding Cessationism from a Biblical Perspective" by Sam Storms. So Doctor Sam Storms is, uh, or sorry, "Understanding Cessationism from a Continuous uh, Perspective." So just to define these terms. He says, cessationism, quote, a cessationist is someone who believes that certain spiritual gifts, typically those of a more overtly supernatural nature, cease to be given by God to the church sometime late in the first century A.D. So that would be before, obviously, you know, 100 A.D. or or more gradually through the course of the next few centuries. So he's already stating, just jumping in here out the gate, like all systems of belief, a lot of the times nobody's universal right. on, on, on one there's thought pattern. Yeah, there's a spectrum, and they find themselves speckled all throughout. That's kind of implied here. He says, you know, most of them, first century A.D., you know, sometimes believe that, and then sometimes gradually through the next few centuries. Um, cessationists, jumping back in here to the quote, Do not deny that God can on occasion still perform miracles, such as physical healing, but they do not believe the spiritual gift of miracles or the gift of healing is given to believers today, whereas healing still exists in the life of the church. Healers do not. God's people may still experience miracles, but God no longer empowers miracle workers.
1: Right. That's actually pretty fair. I yeah. think that's pretty gracious. I think that that way of describing that, because a lot of people want a straw man, um, the other side. Um, <clears throat> right. to, to steal a quote, um, I'm going to say that we want to steal man the other side. We don't want to just blow away straw man and, and you know build up arguments that no one actually believes. But a cessationist would they would not believe in the autonomy of a miracle worker, someone who right. has that spiritual gift and can just go around and do that. Right. And when it's put that way. I don't know about you guys but for me when it's put that way honestly it's a lot easier for me to sympathize at that point because, yeah, sure. because, because I'm like, well is God going to empower someone with a gift you know to defy his own will yeah you know that I could see the hang up there right uh-huh, I could sure. see I could see where that could be be hard to to accept um but as a continuous, a continuist man that's a hard word to say yeah uh, it, that's going to be someone who believes it's and I, Lord help me, I don't want to use a trigger word for either side, but a lot of times they're going to use words like apostolic power or apostolic calling, apostolic mm-hmm. gifting, right? They're going to try to attach that word, which to me is, honestly, it's a little a little cringy, but it's going to be someone who has that God-given power to more autonomously perform those miracles, right? Sure.
2: I think that something about this article I really enjoyed is uh, – you know, Dr. Storms has really done a good job, even though he'll tell you in his article that he's a continuous or continuationist or however you say it, that, uh, yeah. you know. Um, he does a really good job of trying to arbitrarily describe what they believe in a way that's not pointed for the purposes of, of beating them in an mm-hmm. argument. Right. And, and that's, I think, you know, just to be fair to the discussion, you know, because on one hand, we're like, you you can sometimes, I think every person relates to being a rock thrower. You know, you hear something, you think it's silly, you know, or you, you don't agree with it. And you feel that the tendency in in and of your flesh to kind of let somebody know, like, that's stupid, or that's silly, or da-da-da-da-da. You, you have immediately in your flesh this condescension temptation, right? right? right. And then... You know, but to be fair, on the other side of the spectrum, sometimes people also think, too, like, especially in the spirit of trying to attain unity, why is this such a such a deal for people? Why are we going so hostile on each other on the Internet? We both believe in Jesus. Why are you calling me stupid? Right. You know? right. And, you, and then you see things from that other side, that South Pole side of the spectrum, just for the case, and you're like, man, why is this this way? But I do want to say... I think that when people really love Jesus and really love scripture, when you feel like somebody messes with something that you really love sure. or that you're really passionate about, you're going to you're probably going to fall, you know, I I think it'll a lot of times be an error, but you're probably going to you know, fall on the side of the spectrum where you're going to feel pretty strongly about something. Sure. But I think it ultimately comes from a place of care.
0: Right, it's a place of like being passionate and that passion, right? Like, these are called gifts of the spirit. Like, yeah. so it's important to remember that we want to act by the spirit when we talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Or you're, you're defeating yeah. the whole purpose of of being right. Like, right? Because I, you know, I sympathize with some of the cessationist stuff. Yeah, like I, I really do. Like, to say that, yeah, the charismatics haven't been weird. Well, Dude, yeah, you know. I've
1: grown up in that church. And let me tell you, I've yeah. seen every flavor of weird that there is. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I, I'm with you there. I, I do. And honestly, <clears throat> like there was a knee jerk reaction for me because when I got saved, I, I kind of went to, more into serious Bible study. And there was this knee jerk reaction to the, a lot of that stuff where I'd seen abuses in my past. And, and the automatic desire was for me to go all the way to the other side. Right? I wanted to jump to the other that pendulum swing that John talked about and, I'm, and I think that it's important to to not base your doctrine off of that kind of experience. Yeah, sure. it's, yeah. you don't want to to be reactionary because sure. we believe it like I think people on both of the sides of the spectrum would say, we believe that the Word of God is inerrant, it's inspired, it's authoritative, right. I think people on both sides of that argument would agree that. And so if we're going to establish doctrine, if any doctrine is to be established, let's establish it on the word of God and not on a reaction to the weirdos on both sides because they're on both sides. They
0: are on both sides.
2: And I I think just by the example or the definition, sorry, that um, Dr. Storms gave of cessationism, there's a lot more people that would align with that than what they would think. And you just hear the word cessationism, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. But when you hear him say something like, quote, you know, cessationists do not deny that God can still on occasion perform miracles such as physical healing, but they don't believe the spiritual gift of miracles or gift of healing is given to believers today, whereas healing still exists in the life of the church. Healers do not. God may still empower or still... God's people may still experience miracles, but God no longer empowers, quote, miracle workers. So you may kind of think, and one of you guys add on here, uh, that that to me sounds like somebody that's watched, I'm going to name drop here, the Benny Hens of the world. Yeah, right. And they're not willing to say that God doesn't heal people anymore. They pray with faith that God will and have seen him do so. They just don't. It really kind of feels like, they, they're they just like, all right, I'm 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 with what God does. I'm just not with what you do in yeah. God's name that's not right. I mean, that's at least the way the cessationist point of view from this perspective comes across to me.
0: Sure. Well, I want to read a scripture. We can kind of break that down, but it, Acts fifteen twelve through 15. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico, None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem and more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Mm. I think that like I think you're you're onto something when you say they've seen the Benny hens or even like other you know other weird stuff like I have seen healing happen, but it's not in a fashion that is glorifying a person, sure it's not in a fashion that's Building someone's kingdom, yeah, and and you know there does seem to be, at face value, some sort of special gifts the apostles do have, some special thing. Authority, and and I would agree. I would submit to that. I would say, yeah, yeah. yeah I I've never met anybody that regularly heals like that, mm-hmm. and that would be a cessationist point. Is like if somebody has this gift, why are they not going to? st. Jude's children's hospital or yeah. why are they
1: not going to yeah that's uh that's a it's a question that has to be answered i think but it's also a, that's another straw man from the other side well the simple answer sure. would be because god doesn't will that i mean right, right. where do you see in scripture an apostle walking <laughs> against the will of god and doing miracles yeah I mean, the idea is that these people are going to be led by the Spirit. <laughs> so well, if God doesn't lead them to St. Jude's Children's Hospital, then, I mean, they're not going to go. I, I think that what what you're talking about, though, I, there's a lot of value there. There's a lot of value in, in that centered approach that says, like, and Dr., uh, is it Storm, mm-hmm. right? The way that he says it, too, I really like, because he, he, he makes a statement where he's like, well, to, you know, to be fair, so say, most continuous would say, that at least one gift has
2: ceased. Yeah, yeah,
1: and that would be the gift—the gift of apostleship, capital A apostleship. Right. Um, you know, that's that authoritative power to write scripture. Right. I think we all would say that the canon's closed. Right. We're right. not gonna. We're not gonna be adding to scripture, and so we would say that there is certain apostolic authority that is no longer alive in the church. Yeah. At least I hope so.
2: <laughs> that's a that's a really good point. I think it's probably a good thing too to, to defined define from his perspective what a continuationist is then. So he says a continuationist, quote, by contrast, is a person who believes that all of the gifts of the spirit continue to be given by God and are therefore operative in the church today and should be prayed for and sought after, end quote. And, and like Trey said, you know, here's kind of a point where he says they, they agree. Uh, Storm's jumping in here in this article again. Quote, most cessationists and continuists concede that at least some gifts continue and at least one gift have ceased. Cessationists believe that gifts such as teaching, evangelism, mercy, service, and giving <clears throat> are designed by God to continue until the end of the age and many, perhaps most continuationists, believe that at least one spiritual gift, that of apostleship, as Trey said, has ceased or been withdrawn from the life of God's people. Needless to say, this latter point will depend entirely on how one defines apostleship right. and whether it is a spiritual gift or an office or perhaps an appointment to a particular kind of ministry, End quote. So just to kind of jump in and then you guys add on this, a lot of the discrepancy, it seems, between one side and the other is and I think that's why we find it so important to define terms out the gate. Let's let's have everybody on the same page with what a cessationist means, with what a continuationist means, because the discrepancy a lot of the times here they would say, Most people will agree on the apostleship thing, but that depends on how you define apostleship. Right. And yeah. so that a lot of the terms, yeah. you know, it, there, there is a. I'm not going to discount the fact that there are people on both sides of the spectrum. They're probably just being a jerk, honestly. Yeah. And, yeah. and being condescending and being fleshly. Yeah. But on the other side, too, there's some people that are genuinely, I think, just calling for some clarity. Like, yeah. we do want to know what's true. We don't want to just toss stuff out, but let's be clear about what we believe because the truth is deception and conflict. Can sometimes thrive in that ambiguity,
1: yeah, and then and honestly, that's probably the most common thing is people get caught up in winning that argument, yeah, and not about right. actually let's discover truth, it's more about let me out argue you, and I'm going right. to do everything I can to make you say something you're not you're not intending to say, right, and I think that on that point, like I'm one of those people that I would say that apostleship is a gift of the spirit. That's alive yeah, today, yeah. but I'm going to define that term in a way yeah. that Nar, the new apostolic reformation, isn't going to like
2: <laughs> garbage, right?
1: Yeah. Because they're they're the kind of people that would say, "Well, it's the seven mountains of dominion, and we're going to conquer the world for Jesus." That's not me. What I'm going to say is there is a gift of apostleship, and God gave it for the building of His church. But that, what does the word apostle mean? Mm. It means sent one. This yeah. is one who is in in. in with authority from a church and sent from that church to, to go and plant another church. Yeah, Is there anybody on the cessation side of the table that would say that that doesn't exist? Right. right. Now They may say that it's not a gift of the Spirit. Now, then that's a whole other argument, but I would say that that is a gift of the Spirit for the church. There are some people that are equipped to do that. And there are sure. some people that aren't. Now, I think that there's limits. You know, this goes back to other topical episodes that we have, and that's a whole other conversation. Some of these gifts by nature of authority, have limits placed upon them yeah. on who can participate in that, right? If, you've, if you're divorced, if you, you know, there's all kinds of limits upon certain you know, offices, and maybe that's the, the confusion between the office and the gift. But
2: I do believe that God
1: empowers people to do that.
2: Sure. I think it would be um, maybe productive to just go over, like, a few reasons from this article why. Okay, why cessationism? You know, I mean, we've kind of uncovered from our perspective why we think. You know, they they see weirdness or inconsistency or whatever, and they're like, "Okay, I'm not feeling that." But just to summarize a few points here, um, in his article, um, Doctor Storms quotes a New Testament scholar by the name of Tom Schreiner, and he is a, he Tom Schreiner is a committed cessationist, so he, he's not a continuationist at all. And he, he cites um, a scripture that a lot of people use for cessationism in First Corinthians thirteen. Um, he says, "I, I just want to, you know, put this on here." Uh, quote: Tom points out how in the past many cessationists identified the coming of the, um, quote the perfect from First Corinthians thirteen with the final composition or perhaps the latter the later canonization of New Testament scriptures. Once the inspired and altogether sufficient scriptures were in the hands of the church, there was no longer any need for revelatory gifts, such as prophecy, miraculous healing, speaking in tongues, or miraculous gifts or speaking in tongues or healing, sorry. Other cessationists suggest that the perfect is not a reference to canological scripture, but to the spiritual maturity of the church. <laughs> Schreiner himself, a committed cessationist, then proceeds to cite numerous exegetical and theological arguments for why this interpretation of the perfect is wrong. Hmm. So even though he's a cessationist, he's going to push back against a lot of what the cessationists are saying. And he says this, And why it is in all probability another way of describing face-to-face and seeing face-to-face most naturally refers to Christ's second coming. Yeah. So, end quote, that's where the continuationist is going to interpret that scripture. And and just to, you know, that scripture says, you know, we all know in part, we all prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, the imperfect. We, will, we will then know him as we are known by him, the yeah. imperfect will cease, right? right. So, where there is prophecy, there will cease. Where there is tongues, will cease. And, and yeah, just to kind of summarize or paraphrase, Tim's saying that a lot of cessationists will say that the perfect was us receiving Scripture, and now that we've received the canon of Scripture, there's no longer any need for all those gifts, and that's why they have ceased. And he's saying, even though he's a cessationist too, he's saying, you know, now that's not really the way to interpret that Scripture. This most likely refers to the second coming of Christ. And, you know, then you've got some other things, like spiritual gifts. They'll say they affirmed the apostles' ministry. So right. since that was their purpose, and now the apostles aren't here anymore, that's why we don't see the same kind of gifts. So they'll build a straw man here, and he'll say that's, that's a straw man too. <laughs> right, And then some will just say the spiritual gifts ended with the canon. And so you've got a few reasons from the cessationist perspective, some of which kind of make a little sense of at least explaining, I think what Creek was saying earlier. Why is the frequency different? Why does the consistency yeah. not seem to be the same as what we read in the life of Peter or Paul?
0: I'd like to point something out, too. Um, not everything is in America. Not everything is like yeah. right in your town right. or in your church. I'd just like to point that out, that other things happen in different parts of the globe.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that, well like, well, like you said, I mean, would we agree, like, that signs and wonders in some way or another, that they affirm the apostles' ministry? I would say, yeah, you know. I mean, Jesus, I think that a lot of Jesus' ministry was affirmed by gifts. He said, I, by the finger of God, cast out demons. You know, like, there, there is that aspect, but you're also warned that, like, you can't go chasing after signs and wonders. Yeah. You know, how many times in the Bible does it say lying signs and lying wonders? Ooh lying, you know, like there's this, there's this idea that God's not the only one that can do supernatural things. Mm. He has created other beings that have that power, that have more power than we do. And, and like we are influenced or we, you know, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, you could be filled with an evil spirit Mm. and that be and that you can have ministry that's confirmed by gifts that aren't from God. You know, and so I, I don't think that that's a fair litmus test. You know, I don't think that that's fair to just say, well, like, you know, on, on either side to, to levy that and to, to weigh that out like that.
0: We hope you're enjoying the show. If you are. Give us a rating, review, and send this podcast over to a friend. If you want to contact us, email us at at atthetablepodcastmail at gmail.com. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, and any other podcasting platform. Ask us about merch, recommend topics or interviews, or just tell us what you think of the episode. Thank you for listening. Now, let's get back into the show.
2: Yeah, so, I don't know. I guess just kind of sum up a cessationist, you know, what they what they believe and why they believe it. They don't believe that all miracles have disappeared, you know. Um, they just don't believe in, quote, miracle workers. So God can heal sometimes they say occasionally i like how they say occasionally yeah it's not very often but But, rarely god can work miracles and they pray in fact that he does but they don't believe that god empowers someone with quote the gift of healing so that they can go healing and then you know some reasons why um they just to summarize one of the reason that a cessationist would take that approach, that those gifts and that way are no longer given to the church, is spiritual gifts confirm the apostles' ministry. So they'll say, okay, well, God gave these spiritual gifts, empowered these apostles um with these with these gifts to authenticate their apostleship. Another reason that they'll say is spiritual gifts ended with the canon. So spiritual gifts were were only given until the canon of scripture was formed, and now this is the sturdy thing that we lean on, and the gifts are gone, right? Um, Which is cool, except for there's
1: not one verse that ever shows sure. that. Yeah, so.
2: yep. Yeah. And then you know another uh, another reason um, they w- they will take the cessation aside is because we don't experience the same intensity of spiritual gifts with the same frequency as what we've seen in the early church, so. They'll look at the disconnect in the, let's just say the postmodern American church to the Acts church and see that there are some very large gaps between us and them and say, well, it must be because those gifts have ceased in that way. And, and those will be some of the ways if if you guys want
1: to, I have a question for you guys in relation to that. Do you think that there's truth to that or do you think that largely that's because the gospel is already in America? You know, a lot of those, like when you're talking about the Acts Church, the, the gospel was just being preached to the Greeks, to the Sumerians, to all of these different groups of people, mm-hmm. who they weren't believers in Jesus. That's not really a common problem in America. Everyone's heard of Jesus, right? Everyone's heard the gospel. Yeah. That whether they believe it or accept it is a whole other ball game. I, I think mm-hmm. that that I, I think that that's kind of an unfair
2: comparison to make. Yeah, it, it to me it feels like oranges to apples.
1: Yeah, I mean go
0: go to africa right well that's that's what i was going to say is like <clears throat> i think that i again i do affirm that miracles happen in america but i think that like i, I don't have a concrete answer like i'm not going to tell you an exact reason why this happens where but i mean china africa what we were talking about like bro there's severe persecution in those countries yeah. children and families being steamrolled and shot up and killed and i'm not saying that you know let me put it this way like the spirit moves obviously in america but there's no cultural christianity in the in these other places right like, right the gifts of the spirit are practiced
1: and that's it Let me ask a a follow-up question. Do you guys think that in the early Acts church that it ever worked the way that a cessationist would like to imply that it did? Like what? Like what do you mean? That John's a healer, so now anybody he touches and wants to heal, he can heal. No. Do you have any indication in Scripture that that's the way that that worked, that that gifting was was so concrete and permanent that now I can start a crusade, everybody line up at the door,
0: everyone's getting miracles? Nobody ever said that either. Like Paul... When, when he gets bit by a snake, says, it's God, don't worship me. Yeah, yeah.
1: like I mean, there's crazy instances. There's instances where they get a sweat rag from Paul or Peter's shadow passes right. over him and heals him. I'm not trying to deny <clears throat> some form of apostolic gifting. My question is that, like, there's kind of an assumption in that charge that says, like, well, this gift, you know, let's just say prophecy. So this person's gifted in prophecy, so now they're 100% right about everything that they say is going to happen. It's going to happen all the time. Is there any indication of that? That this person just lives as a fortune teller now? Hey, you know, bet on the Super Bowl this way. You know, I don't see that in Scripture.
0: I don't either, and I'll say this. I think that something that actually really encouraged me as a believer too is like in Galatians, and it's also in Acts, when Paul references Peter um, acting Jewish. Shady. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The reason would be because that tells me that, okay, Literal cornerstone of the church messes up. Like, mm. like these guys still mess up. They still have sin. For not, uh, or Paul says, I do the things I don't want to do. Like, So they still sin. Sure. It's not referenced a ton, Yeah. like, specifically what they do. <clears throat> so do I think that they give words of prophecy and it's not true and it comes to pass that it's not true or whatever? No, I don't think that happens. I think that would be a false prophet in that case. However, I think they... I don't think that they're running around just telling the future on every little thing. Right,
2: right. I was going to just toss one more cessationist thing in here. Um, Another defense put forward, quoting this article, um, another defense put forth is sometimes called the cluster argument. According to this argument, miracles and supernatural phenomena were (coughs) concentrated or clustered at specific times in biblical history. And therefore, should not be expected to appear as a regular or normal phenomenon in other parts of history. Three eras in particular are often cited. This is a quote, uh, the following is a quote from John MacArthur Most biblical miracles happened in three relatively brief periods of biblical history in the days of Moses and Joshua, during the ministries of Elijah and Elisha, and in the time of Christ and the apostles. None of these periods lasted more than a hundred years, much more than a hundred years, sorry. Each of them saw a proliferation of miracles unheard of in other areas. Aside from those three intervals, the only supernatural events recorded in Scripture were isolated incidents. I would actually, and maybe we need to have one on, I would really like to
0: have like a hardcore cessationist answer. Like, you know, when, when they say things like that, and again the the charismatic say weird stuff too but what do you think the holy spirit's role is like for me my heart being changed like if a bad thought comes up in my head i immediately combat it and try to get it out like that's not from me
2: yeah that's right.
0: not something that i just do that's a to me that is a miracle
2: mm-hmm. that
0: i now have changed desires that i actually fight sin that i actually Want to avoid wickedness, like, dude, I was a wicked person, like horrible, fleshly desires that I would just consume and consume, and now I actually don't want to do that. So that tells me that that's a miracle. So I, I, I would just ask, like, what is a miracle to you? Because I am a miracle.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, that's, the, I mean, I think most sensations would would say that, like, that's like the predominant miracle in. Sure. Although they would probably say that's fewer, you know, and far between, you know, than a lot of people would think, but my point would be this. Okay. So, just a, a quick Google search. I mean, somebody please tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I could find 18 maybe 19 miracles between two apostles, Peter and Paul. Probably the two most yeah. predominant yep. apostles in the New Testament. 18, 19. How long were they in the church? Right. What Peter from a young man when Jesus comes to <clears throat> what is, what age did he die? 60, 70? I mean, think about that. Like, I think that, that that's kind of a straw man in itself because they want to build it up. Like, that. those apostles were operating in, in miracles every Sunday. And maybe they were. Maybe this is the highlight reel. But I think that you, you're not given the entirety of their lives in Scripture. Mm. You're given a window. It's prescriptive, not descriptive. It's descriptive, not prescriptive. So, like, like, like yeah, when you see that, mm-hmm. it's like, is there any indication that they were every Sunday standing up and healing people? That's a really or, good point. Or is it as the Spirit, you know, leads them to do it? 1890 miracles and two apostles, the two most predominant apostles in their entire life that are recorded. Yeah. That's not a lot.
2: <clears throat> yeah. I, You know, and, and one of the things it brings to mind is like Jesus' ministry. I think John says at the end of his book in the Gospel of John, if all the things were to be recorded that he did, there would not be a book big enough in the whole earth to fill them. Right. 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 So like what John's approach to, to writing his gospel as led by the Holy spirit, as inspired by the Holy spirit is to include key points. Sure. And most of the time, those key points are for the production of, of a truth or a narrative for you to latch on to. And and I guess that's a few things about cessationist arguments. Even though I'm a I'm a continuationist, I know you guys are too. That that that's something at least an aspect of this, even from John MacArthur, that I can respect is. Let's read the whole counsel of God's word to try to understand this. Yeah, you know, and and I do think that the error is made when, and sometimes when we try to understand it. Yeah. It, rather than just embracing it as a truth, as a child and accepting it that way, right? And and I don't, you know, for for the continuationist, I've got something, you know, it, at least as far as like a why we stand, where we stand, and Trey and Creek, I'm sure we'll we'll chime in some stuff here too. But at least for me, one of the reasons that I'm not a cessationist is because I don't believe that that's the message the Bible is intending to communicate. Right through the whole counsel of God's word. And some of the things that I, I love, at least for what we do here in the podcast, right now we're on a series called The Snake Crusher, and what we're doing is with three lay people attempting to do our best to go back through the whole counsel of God's word and flesh out this narrative of expectations that are given to God's people about Messiah across a couple millennia worth of human history, even a little more, like, God sprinkles a little here and a little there and a a little here and a little there. Like Trey said about Peter and Paul, we read about Abraham's life, but we don't read about every time he went to eat from the cookie jar. You know what I mean? Like what we see key points. It's the same way with the prophets. Right. Like
0: in the Old Testament, you don't really hear of Zechariah dying. Right. Or any of them really. But then you hear <laughs> Jesus say, "Some
2: of them, yeah, but but you, yeah. but
0: none of these major prophets you're seeing like, oh, he got sold in half. This is um, how he died. Right. This right. is, yeah. So and then Jesus references that later. So that tells me like, yeah, that this is just describing. Maybe it's a highlight reel.
1: Maybe it's I don't know. Well, but. I think that's also a shot at like the people like Benny Hinn that are getting up there and you're knocking over fifteen hundred people every service. I mean, is there any indication that the apostles? that were sent, that had the hands of Jesus laid upon them and the Spirit of God fell upon them, <clears throat> they were in the upper room, like as close as you can get to the original event. Is there any indication that they lived life like that, that they operated sure. in gifts like that? And I would say by Scripture, but like you said, using the whole council of Scripture, and we, we are saying this is this is descriptive of, of, you know, this is, we're not given every moment of their lives. We don't know. But there's no indication in Scripture That that's the way that these gifts were used, right? It's not there for either side. It it's it's simply not there, you know. And I think that that's one something that's consistent through the Old Testament and the New Testament is, you know, the Bible says in Corinthians that God gives gifts as He sees fit, right? That you know that He dispenses the gifts. You know, not everybody's going to speak in tongues. Not everybody's going to do all those things. It you know, there's that that that's canon. It says. God gives the gifts how he sees fit. I think that the best way I ever heard it put was by Jensen Franklin, and you know that might make our cessations <laughs> yeah uh, listeners angry that I'm even quoting him, but Jensen Franklin put it this way' it's like can in a, in a sermon, can God use Moses you know to throw down a staff and it become a serpent and devour other serpents and then pick it up and it just go back to being a staff mm. can God use Can God give a person a gift of healing for a certain aspect and that person not feel the need to go start a healing crusade? But simply let God control the flow of of ministry. God control the flow of gifts. You know, can John be used in a prophetic way to speak into my life? But that doesn't mean he needs to start a 1-800 phone line where he's giving, you know, fortune telling to people. You know, God, I don't think that that's the way that those gifts work. I don't think that God's intention is, is I'm going to make Creek a healer. Now you need to go clean out St. Jude's. Well, why? Right. What's affected there? It's actually really good. And, and I think that most cessationists would agree with me here. Because they're going to say that apostolic authority from NAR people does not override what God is doing in people's lives. You can't pray God's judgment off of somebody if if God's trying to do something in their life. Yeah. You right. can't pray that you can't command that off of them. You're not going to use a apostolic authority to command something that God isn't willing to happen. It's mm-hmm. not going to work that way. You you don't replace God in the Trinity. Right, right. Well, and you don't have an equal authority with God.
0: But I I do want to steal man a little bit for the cessationist you know something I guess probably not a steel man but let me put it this way I think that that is I would consider myself a charismatic I at least go to a charismatic church I would say I'm not we're not weird (laughs) but I, I would like to put it this way this is why we as charismatics or continuationists need to have reverence for the gifts yeah uh, something that a c- cessationist would see is like, okay, if you're receiving a word of prophecy, right, why are you not writing that down as a scripture? If these are words of God, which that is what prophecy is, why aren't you jotting these down as a new apostolic book? Mm. And I think what, what they're seeing is kind of like the same, we could call it the Benny Hinn effect. Like the ones who are practicing these gifts, quote-unquote, when they're actually lying or making stuff up, it, it creates this idea that nobody really cares about the gifts and we want to look cool or we want to gain attention in the church. And so, you know, as charismatics, it's important that, you know, if you have something to share, yeah. And there, I believe there are prophecies that are forth just one person. Sure. It doesn't have to be scripture for everybody, but I think that we need to just make sure that we're having reverence because yeah. part of this, you know, is a beast that our camp has created. Part yeah. of this is something that we've kinda done to ourselves in, in all honesty with the yeah. you know, with the false tongues and false prophecies that haven't come. There's there's these YouTubers out here, man. Like some of these guys I love and I know they love the Lord. I can tell. But, you know, when Trump doesn't win that election, well, what am I going to think? You know, what are the John MacArthur's going to think? What right. are these reformed YouTube channels going to say? They're going to put us all in the same camp. So as a charismatic out of love, like check yourself a little bit and make sure, you know, if you yeah. have something that test God the is
1: spirits, right? Right. That's what it says. Test Literally. the spirits.
0: And if God is putting something on you to do slash say slash heal, whatever. Go ahead, don't don't stop because some cessationist told you that you're lying or manifesting a demon, whatever. But That's so whack, so whack bro.
2: <laughs> and I, I, I like that you said reverence, you know like, Buckle in. There's going to be a, a couple of scriptures here, but I think it's important because like we were talking about for the snake crusher thing, there's a an expectation when Messiah comes, there's an expectation of what or who he will be. And why and for what purpose, right? And we have that pointing forward. Let's say you're looking in Deuteronomy, you expect a king because passages in Deuteronomy and prior to Deuteronomy tell you, hey, a king's coming. So that's why we expect it, right? So like why would, you know, why would John or Trey or anybody take, you know, and, and they may not approach their their proving the same way. But why would we believe this? Is it just because of the straw man, easy to defeat arguments of the opposition or, you know, the bad systematic theologies of the opposition? No. I mean, as it turns out, there is a deep, even Old Testament antecedent, a reason to expect Acts chapter two happening. Right. There's a reason for that. I want to take us to, you know, for the audience, go to Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 11. I'm going to read out of the ESV. I hope if there's any uh, cessationists in the argument, they're okay with the ESV. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, But it doesn't matter. I've read these in three translations, and they're all pretty much going to do the same thing. Um, So verse 16, I just want to start this out. Then the Lord said to Moses, the context of this is that people are complaining to Moses yet again. Surprise, surprise. And Moses is looking at the Lord like, man, like, what did I do wrong to deserve having to put up with all these people all the time? They're whining. They're always wanting to kill me. They're always wanting to stone me. They're wanting to do something because they don't have this, so they don't have that. These people are too much, right? And you'll recall if you've been listening in the podcast at one point in time, we may or may not have covered this, but if you go back to Exodus, Moses' father-in-law comes to him from Midian and gives him the advice too, like, hey, you need some judges (laughs) because you doing this all day every day is going to kill you. You can't do it. So God sees that. God sees that one prophet to all the people is too much. One judge that is a man, not God, but, you know, the spirit of God rests on him. That's too much for one person. This is God's response. So the Lord says to Moses, gather for me 70 men. Hold on to that number. 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting. Let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there. I will take some of the spirit that is on you, and I will put it on them. And they will bear the burden of the people with you, so that you may not bear it yourself alone. And say to the people, consecrate yourselves tomorrow, and you will eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, who will give us meat to eat? For it was better in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you meat, and you will eat. You will not just eat one day or two days or five days or 10 days or 20 days, but a whole month until it comes out at your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and wept before him saying, why did we come out of Egypt? But Moses says, the people among whom I am number 600,000 on foot. And you have said, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them and be enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered for them and not be enough for them? If you're familiar with the New Testament, this is probably bringing a couple other stories to mind. And the Lord says to Moses, Is the Lord's hand shortened, now you will see whether my word will come true for you or not. So Moses goes and tells the people the words of the Lord. Check this out. And he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. Then the Lord came in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. But they did not continue doing it. Hmm. A cessationist would try to latch on here, just cutting in, but keep reading. Now two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other Medad. And the spirit rested on them. They were not among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. So they prophesied in the camp. So these two continue prophesying whom the spirit is rested on. The same spirit that rested on Moses, that made him a legitimate prophet, resting on these. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, My Lord Moses stopped them. But Moses said to them, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets. I'm going to read that again. Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them, and Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. So what you have in Numbers chapter 11 is the insufficiency of one man to minister to the needs of a nation. And so God says, I'm going to take 70 specifically. Keep this number in mind. The next Old Testament passage that links to this is found in Joel chapter 2. In Joel chapter 2, the Lord says this. Let me read you here. And it shall come to pass, verse 28, afterward, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions, even on the male and female servants in those days. I will pour out my spirit. So what will precede that great and and awful day of the Lord is God pouring, he's fulfilling Moses' request in a way, right? Moses says, would that all of God's people were prophets. Would that all of God's people prophesied. And Joel chapter 2 tells us, hey, before that day of the Lord comes that reconciles and restores all things that judges the wicked, God's going to do that. God's going to pour his spirit out onto all, all of his people. And this passage is quoted by Peter in Acts chapter 2 to explain the phenomena that they're experiencing, such as tongues, right? You've got all these guys (laughs) like Speaking in tongues, and who's present? Men from all the nations under heaven. Yeah, That's where this number 70 come in. You remember in Luke chapter 10, how many were sent out? 70. You know what number that matches? The table of nations in Genesis chapter 10. Sure. There are 10 nations, 70 nations after the Tower of Babel. And what this is doing is creating a picture, if you will, of to reach the whole world, all of God's people need to be prophets. Yeah. All of God's people need to prophesy to and gather the world in. And Peter says this in verse 14, but Peter standing with the 11 lifted up his voice and addressed them because they say, these guys got to be drunk <laughs> when they're hearing this. Like this is crazy. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words For these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. But this, this phenomenon, is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be that God declares, I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. On my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. He quotes the rest of this about the day of the Lord coming, right? Skipping down to verse 22, men of Israel hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders. Cessation has got something there, right? God sometimes uses wonders to attest to the validity of a man of God. And this is actually God himself in the flesh. (laughs) This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you killed and crucified by the hands of lawless men. God raises him up. I'm going to skip down to verse 29. Brothers, I say with you in confidence, David the patriarch is dead and buried. So this whole passage about him, you know, not being abandoned to Sheol isn't actually about him. It's about Jesus. So he gives this explanation about the Lord sitting at his right hand until his enemies are made his footstool. He preaches the gospel to them in this way. And in verse 36, he says, let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus you have crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut at the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off everyone whom the lord our god calls to himself everyone the expectation is everyone and you may think well you know afar off that just means all the jews that are far out there cuz this this passage is talking about jews not quite <laughs> if you check the greek this this word to your children is tekonis tekonis sorry technois, of you and all to those who are at a distance. That's the Greek word, makron. This is what it means. Long, distant, far off, long of duration. This is a period of time. This is generational language. The word we get for children is the same Greek word that's linked to generations. Generations, yep. Exactly. So why would, would somebody that is believing that the gifts are still active or intended today, believe that? The reason is because Peter gives us a deep Old Testament expectation that what God wants to do is make all of his people prophets. He wants all of his people to prophesy. He wants all of his people to preach the good news. And he wants all his people to be empowered to do so. And how does he empower them to do so? He puts his spirit on them.
1: (laughs) Let's see. That I mean, even in the New Testament, it says that what He has made is a kingdom of priests to God, mm. right? Like a kingdom of priests, and that's a quote from Exodus. Yeah, it's not. It's not. You know. Yeah, it's it's dispensation. It right that gift has been spread out. It's been seated amongst the people, and we're all we're all that right now. We're all that we are part of the kingdom of priests. I think that a lot of the confusion in this issue a lot of times. And what I've seen on my own from my own camp is, though, I mean, I don't know that we even do the research to understand exactly how those gifts were used mm. and exactly what they were. And because of that, we we end up with something that doesn't look like scripture. I mean, the tongues thing, for example, right? the 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 tongues thing that's talked about, you know, where Peter says, "Hey, this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel." This, you know, this is what happened. They're not drunk. W- what does it say happened? It said that they they spoke in Everybody one heard their own language. And everyone heard it in their own language. Or, you know, if you want to get picky, they spoke in one language and God translated it to another. Right? Yep. I think that a big point of contention is, and I think that it's all, it's, I mean, to, to be fair, it's, it has some some weight to it is, like a cessationist would say, well, that's not what's happening. That's not the gift of tongues that's being used. That's not what we see in in Pentecostal circles that's not what we see we see one person standing up speaking you know in some strange sound and then you know they or someone else interprets it as to what is God is saying sure I think that a lot of that confusion and I'm not going to tell you that I have all the answers you know i I, I don't I don't know um, i I've I've been a part of churches where where those gifts have have been operated in on on both sides. I think legitimately, but also you know definitely, the abuse of of that so-called gift. And I don't know how to define the terms. And I I'm not the the you know Bible nerd that that can speak the language. But I think that that's a that's the huge gap, right? It's it's the big gap between us. They see that confu- and it's confusing, and that's even what the New Testament would say. But those abuses and this is my this is my call out moment to cessationists the same abuses that you see happening in pentecostal churches where people obviously don't read scripture they don't operate in those gifts in the confines of scripture like the young know, corinthians 12 13 14 that maybe you see you've seen a gift that's not... but yet the people and this is something it's a call out to anybody i think to both sides confirmation bias we easily put up with yeah Problems from people who agree with us, and like the most famous cessationist in the world, he, there's literally a movie right now called "The Cessationist." John MacArthur, you want to talk about abusing this the scripture, dude? Come yeah. on, it's all over the place. Not even just in his in, in his typical dispensationalism, right? And Johnny, are are. Uh, Revelation guy our eschatology guy here you know you you can tell too you can see that too, right you know you you have a systematic eschatology you know, and you want to cram everything into that, and the same thing's true as systematic theology. you have a preconceived box, and everything has to fit into that, and
2: what doesn't fit gets thrown out mm-hmm. that abuse happens on that side too, for sure. And I think they kind of unintentionally and I, and I do believe for a lot of people on that side of the spectrum, it's unintentional, but maybe not all, but for some it, you end up just to put it the best way I know how, you end up making yourself a gatekeeper, yeah you know you, you and and don't get me wrong, you know Jesus says in revelation to a church he applauds them for calling out those who said that they were apostles and they're not sure. right it's a commendable thing to call out false doctrine right it's a commendable thing to call out false teaching it's a commendable thing to call out a false apostle nobody in the on this side of the spectrum should think that a respect for clergymen or a respect for God using a man makes him above being reproached with scripture right scripture reigns we're we're all in agreement there but a lot of the times you know you know you don't you don't realize that you get turned into a person that's that's flipping over every rock calling everyone a heretic right and that word just gets so abused by people that you don't agree with hate that word and if they don't if they don't cram into the way that you like you said not the way that the scripture systematically explains itself but that that guy 200 years ago that you pretty much pledged your allegiance to, the reformer John Calvinist, unless he thinks the Bible said it that way, boy, it doesn't. Right. You know, well, who died and made him the next apostle? You know, yeah. I mean, the truth of the matter is that I think the heart of what Trey's saying, and Creek can tack on here, but, is that you need to be a student of the scripture, engage it on its own terms. And there's going to be places where, it's not going to make a ton of sense to you. And some of that's probably the 21st century postmodern mindset you have. And some of it's because God doesn't desire you for you to know and understand everything he does comprehensively all the time. Right. There are some things he leaves to mystery, that's and okay. that's where faith comes in. Right. Well,
0: of all the things that are completely ignored in 1 Corinthians 11 through 13 or maybe through 15 or whatever, there's a lot of things that... I would argue are just completely ignored. But one of them, if I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging symbol. And I'll maybe we can go back to that first part about tongues of men and angels, or what that maybe means. I don't know. But the part I want to focus on is the have not love. I'm a noisy gong, and, and this isn't just Johnny Mac, but a lot of these. Yeah. In mean, social media, I mean, it's, you're a you're a clanging symbol. What you're saying is is a gong, and it's, it's something that, like, even when you call out false teachers, like, do you not realize that the false teachers that Peter and Paul are calling out are actually trying to dismantle the church? Right. They're not wrong about some small doctrinal thing. <laughs> Come on. Like, it's not yeah. just like, oh, they disagree with me about the rapture. Right. No, it's literally like they're talking about, they're trying to change what Christ is or did or... Yes, these dogmatic things. So when we want to call somebody out for maybe
2: doing something you think is off,
0: that should be done in love all the time.
2: Sure. And and I do think, too, like, I love your point. The first thing it brought to mind was Simon the Sorcerer in Acts, right? When Peter's laying his hand, check this out, (laughs) Peter's laying his hands on people so that they would receive the Holy Spirit right people are are receiving the holy spirit to be empowered and a sorcerer who was pointing people to these guys he was saying these men have the real power of god you know the scripture said he used to often amaze them with his magic right and he's saying these guys got the real stuff as soon as he sees that power is being given through them by the holy spirit to people he tries to pay them money and says hey put this power on me too Notice an affiliation. The very, 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 very first time this happens, this was somebody obsessed with money mm-hmm. and power, mm-hmm. right? And what does Peter say? The judgment of God is on you, and Your the gall of bitterness is in you. Yeah, oh. it's horrible, right? And 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 I'll say I, I speak for all of us here, I believe, but and I and I pray that I speak for all continuationists too. There are way too many Simon the Sorcerers on television. Yeah. Way too many. If anyone offers you a special prophecy or special gift, and that's where we are all in unity, I think, too. Not just on the, the capital A apostleship ceasing with those apostles. But I think one thing that both sides of the spectrum would agree on, there are a lot of people that that take an anointing and spirituality and morph it into emotionalism, yeah. to try to create in people sure. a sense of awe over themselves rather than what Creek said, right? Peter goes to Cornelius's house, this Roman dude, and the Roman dude like falls down, and, and Peter's like, bro, I'm a man too. Stand up. Don't be amazed at me. God is the one that does these things, yeah. right? Like every one of these prophets point the glory back to God. In the same way the Trinity does what the Trinity does, right? The Son comes to glorify the Father. The Spirit comes to glorify the Son, and thus all are glorified. There's this same idea here, and if anyone out there is trying to make you pay to be healed, pay to receive what they have received from the Word of God for free, because Jesus has already paid for it, they're a false teacher, yeah. Right. You should not listen to anything they say. They're another Simon the sorcerer that's trying to fleece God's flock.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I mean, that, and that's, unfortunately, that's one of the biggest abuses that we see today. You know, a lot of what is spiritual, it, it's packaged up and it's sold based on what your quote-unquote tithe or quote-unquote give. And that is not the way that God did God. things. God gave freely to all men and, in, in fact, has more than once, all through Scripture, has always lifted up, exalted the people who spay, who paid attention to the those who were less fortunate than them, not Man. someone who tried to build themselves up. But that being said, I, I think that, like, in wrapping up this episode, I think this is important. You know, we've talked about a lot of disagreements. We've talked about a lot of points of contention. We've talked about a lot of that. But the biggest problem in these two camps, because I see it all the time, and and, unfortunately, you know, I've played a part in it too a lot, is the the constant quarreling, the constant fighting on the internet. I mean, what does that do? Yeah. What does that do for the church? Are you ever going to win a soul in that way? And, and there's, I had some verses marked out because this is something that we often forget. And I've heard, I've heard a lot of it, you know, a lot of it come, come from both sides, but They'll say, well, you know, the prophets, they they made fun of their opponents or, you know, they treated them this way. And they'll go to these examples like that. And it turns into this match that's no longer about arriving at at God-given truth. It's more about I'm going to make my opponent look bad. And I think that it's important to know that that is in direct opposition to Scripture. Oh,
2: there's the love part, right? There's so
1: many epistles. I mean, Titus says, speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Wow. I mean Timothy is, is told as for you man of God flee these things pursue righteousness godliness faith love steadfastness gentleness Peter I mean <laughs> it says in your hearts honor Christ the Lord is holy holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you but do so with all gentleness and respect man. I mean over and over and over the New Testament authors pound this like because if you if you just want to show your butt, that's what people are going to see you as. Yeah. If if they don't see the heart of Christ coming with your right hand of fellowship on the Facebook I mean, uh, argument, sure. you know, it, it it loses the weight. I I often think about like Jesus, like you know, the only person who ever had a right to beat someone down with truth and constantly the way that he comes to men. Right. In fact, it's <clears throat> the people that we would say, you know, the Pharisees, and I don't want to get cliche, right, but that pharisaical attitude where I'm the guy who holds religious truth and everyone else is on the outside, that guy is the one that Jesus rebuked. That guy is the one who Jesus came down on. That's the one who got the hard hand from Jesus. It wasn't the poor person on Facebook who was trying to testify to a miracle that God did in their life. And it's important for us on both sides to keep that mindset and to say, like, let's examine my heart first in this.
2: Yeah, I, 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 Creek, I know you have something you want to add, but just to, to jump in on that, I, I think, and I hope it's unintentional. But it, both sides, we have our monster, right? You pointed that out. The, the charismatic side of the spectrum has its, its monsters to deal with, monsters of its own making. And we should reprove those and rebuke those and correct those. There's a ton of Benny Hens out in the world and Kenneth Copelands and Jesse Duplantis's that, like no, heck no. This should never be. This should never ever ever be that have said things that yeah, they're just atrocious and they're appalling. They're horrible. Yeah. On the other side of the spectrum, there's another monster that it's making. And it's it's making people that they're not bringing people to truth. They're they're beating them in condescension and then thinking themselves a hero for it. Yeah. It, and and That's that side reproof. of the spectrum has but it's because of the clickbait teachers on that side of the spectrum that have gotten famous off of rock throwing. Right. Saying everything that everybody else does wrong that they apparently don't ever do wrong. You know, and and hey, sometimes that might be the case and there's time for, you know, yeah. like I said, correction to be brought out. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But if we're not careful and that becomes like the the forerunner of your ministry. Right. Like if if you listen to all of a person's teachings and the one thing that you come out with and and unilaterally amongst all of its products and meaning yeah. it's it's people that have been discipled under it are people that are angry, bitter, skeptical, and rock throwers. Yeah. If you start I mean. to observe that trend, that's bad. And that doesn't mean that everything that person's ever said is bad. Yeah. But a, a, like Trey said and Creek said, you have to be a student of the word of God. If you're going to be a cessationist, let it be because you read the text and you believe that's what the text is trying to teach you. If you're going to be a pre-trib rapture person, don't let it be because John Hagee published his ninth book on it. Yeah. <laughs> let it be because you, you read it in the Bible and you believe that that's true, but let it be secondary to the gospel Right. And if somebody believes the gospel, quit beating them. <laughs> Embrace them. Stop. Yeah.
0: Well, how many times? Well, let me put it this way. Like, when I have received correction, and it, you know there's that burn. Like, it's like, oh But yeah. you know it's good. Like, you know you're going to grow from that. Hurt you know so it's a good, good thing. But there's also a staunch difference between that and, and what what you see a lot with this issue is yeah. hiding behind calling it correction or calling out false teachers yeah, and it's yeah. just like some of the most hurtful beat downs and it it doesn't right. actually bring someone to repentance or changing their mind in fact it just yes. hardens their heart to because if you really believe that's the truth you want them to believe it
2: yeah someone saying hey I, I i had a dream and and I and I I seen God in it, and it touched me. Oh well, no! Well, no, know, way. nope. That never happened in Scripture. That's completely impossible. And you're you're ignorant, and naive for believing that. That would be a yeah. That's yeah. that's the trademark from that side of the spectrum. It is, and it's not good. It is hurtful. And, and that doesn't mean that we embrace every story as if it's true. Right. Right. We we weigh these things out. Yeah, you know. that's a,
1: actually a good point, you know, and for those who don't believe that there are prophets or, or that the prophetic is operant, and I mean, scripture says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophets. Yeah. I mean, like, so if you don't believe that that's possible, just shut up. I mean, or, yeah. if you don't believe that you have that authority, that prophetic authority to, to use the word of God to, you know, to rein something in or deal with something, then just be quiet. But I think that that's, I've heard it said so many times, like the, the. And from the cessationist side, they'll say, well, that's a demonic spirit. That's demonic. That's demonic. That's demonic. And that, I can tell you, I've been in a Pentecostal church most of my life. And most of my cessationist friends, or not even cessationist friends, most of my reformers friends will know where I stand on these issues, you know, as to what is the genuine article, what is and when it should be applied. It should always be in subjection to Scripture. I believe all of those things. Yes. I, and I seek those things out to know what's true and what's not. However, out of all the abuses that I've seen in small-town church family life, not on TV, right. in real-life church, very few have ever been demonic. Most of the time, it is someone who has had bad teaching. Yep. Yep. It is someone who has, has been over-emotionalized. They've been hyped up right. in emotionalism, but that person loves God. And if your response is a hammer to come over and beat them down every time that they're wrong, mm. you will drive them away from the body of Christ. Yeah. And that is that the goal? Ask yourself, why do I so easily do these things? No matter what side of your spectrum, the spectrum you're on, because they everyone has confirmation bias.
2: Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll say this too. I'm proud to have been part of, I'm still a part of one of these churches and, and I've proud to have been a part of at least one other in the past that I know for sure. When these things happen, they're illegitimate. Where the pastor calls them out, mm-hmm. yeah. he deals with them from the pulpit, but he does so in love, in like love. I have, and I've never seen anything like that. Uh. that you know what I mean? Oh, sorry, what were you going to say? Well, you just yeah.
0: I mean, we like I have seen our pastor. Like with love in his eyes, like you can just tell, bro. Yeah. Which
1: would not be an easy thing to do,
0: right? No. Like it's so, it's frustrating. He
2: he treats it like it's a sheep that's gone astray because that's what it Dude, is. That makes me want to cry. Well, that is literally <laughs> exact. That's how I was gonna
0: say. I'm sorry to interrupt. Like that, it's it's yeah. sheep that need to be led. Yes. It's Chef not somebody to freaking go stomp into the ground and make you feel better about yourself. And
2: that's why God gave you authority.
1: Right. To right. do that, to the to mend it,
2: broken yeah. Paul says this ministry of reconciliation yeah. has been that's given good. to us, right? Yeah, like good. and and that's something I you know our, our dad has done that. Pastor James here at Ark City First Assembly. I just want to shout him out because in that regard I believe he's He's led by the Spirit. Amen. He approaches it in fear and trembling and respect for the Word of God and a love for the other person. And and he deals with it, and he corrects it. And yeah. when he does, I've noticed that most of the time, the only time that a person has actually left as a result, you could clearly see some fruit that's shown there's a pretty good oh, chance. right, right, yeah. They— From the start, it was bad. You know what I mean? And that, yeah, for sure. But the majority of the time, whenever, you know, he's done that, that I've seen, you know, that you could see the person, regardless of whether or not they liked it, it may have stung, like you said, with correction. And that's the truth with all of us, right? A fool despises it, right? Right. You're an idiot, the Bible says, if you don't like correction. Whenever it's needed. But there's, you know, I I don't know, not to jump on the soapbox, but I, I feel that that needs to be appreciated, too because i and I think, to be fair to the other side of the spectrum, the cessationist side, is they're not in enough of those smaller charismatic churches to see the pastor peanuts and the Jameses of the world right that are like we're not going to reject the 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 charismatic moves of the Holy Spirit being for today, but we're not going to let Satan or bad teaching use that the sometimes hard to distinguish line between spiritualism and emotionalism to prey on people and say things that aren't true. Right. right. We're going to rebuke, rebuke it and we're going to keep it accountable.
0: And I mean and I'd like to point out too like to my cessationist brothers like not all of y'all are sure doing that. Yeah, we yeah, know that and, and there's some that are just so loving and you know that they they have that they oh, love yeah. the lord and yeah. You know. So I would like to point that out that that's we know that exists too. Like
2: Yeah. And I think to be fair, I think Johnny Mack loves the Lord. I really For do. Sure. I can't I you do know too. I I think there's some stuff that him and other people, even on our side of the spectrum, I think there's a lot of teachers that love the Jeez. Lord that have some things going on, especially right. as far as theological or doctrinal <laughs> beliefs that really needs some adjusting. Yeah. You know? I mean,
1: if you if someone followed you around with a camera <laughs> and a microphone all of your life oh, and recorded man. everything you said, Oh, crap. Dude, yeah. you'd be in
2: trouble. We'd be at zero listeners pretty quick.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's that's a fact. And I and I, I want to leave room for men to be men. I don't think that Johnny Mack is a demon. Yeah. I think that he's a man who loves God, who's zealous for the Lord, man. but he but he errors just like the people that True. he would call a false teacher for erroring. And that's a problem. Yeah, When that's your first title that you want to lay at them, you've never taught anything false, you think that your understanding of Scripture is 100%? That is pride and arrogance, and that ought to be dealt without the gate. Man. Yeah. Because I love Dr. Heiser to quote him again. You know, it, it, man, miss the guy. But we're all wrong about 10% of what we think that we know. Whatever you think that you're sure about, that you're 100% on, 10% of that category you're wrong about. The problem yeah. is no one knows what 10% it is. right? And so we'll beat each other down and argue. You notice this isn't a problem in communist China. It's not a right, problem in South right. Korea. Yeah. Why? Because they don't have the freedom to sit on a laptop all day and argue with strangers.
2: Yeah. While they're wearing a three-piece suit.
1: They're, being, they're busy about the gospel. You know, and I'm sorry, I love theology. I am a nerd, man. I love theology. But if your first response to someone who, or to, to someone that doesn't know the Lord is to try to go and, and just ram your systematic theology down their throat. For sure. Like, what
2: a shame. You know, I was gonna say it it reminds me of an instance. I was at a fair one time and I was I was working at a food truck at this fair and I was right next to the Jehovah Witness booth. And so naturally they send somebody over, you know, and I have you know, anyway, they take notice that there's something on my person that says Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord is my healer or the Lord who heals me, right? And they see that and they're like do you know whose name that is? And I'm thinking like, no, I just seen it on a billboard and thought it was cool. Like, to be honest, you know, I was feeling kind of sarcastic. I'm just going to be real. You know, that's wrong, but I'm going to admit to it. <laughs> but, no. But, uh, hey, no. Nah. <laughs> so I said, you know, long story short, I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, I know that name. and they're And they start, you know, giving me their systematic theology, you know. And something in me was just like, You didn't tell me like anything about Jesus. Yeah. You know, when you came to share, you didn't, this is why he came, was to do this and this to save you. Yeah. You just immediately hit me with the doctrine of your cult, and that's all I got. Yeah. And so so for me, a lot of the time, like gave first conversation at the at the, I think people start to learn under some of these teachers that have really, some of their teaching is really good. And they get excited at this revelation, and they immediately think, "I need to go teach somebody." Now I'm right. now I'm growing. Now I'm learning. Right, and so the first times you shake hands with somebody in the sanctuary, you're looking to talk about. And I'm I've been guilty of this a lot in my life. I'm going to be honest. I really have. You know, I think a lot. There would be a lot more people saying they have been guilty if they were actually willing to be honest about it yeah but you know you you kind of turn into this let me teach you thing, compare my knowledge to yours so let's let's crack this debate off, and I don't even know your last name yet and 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 it, really it sounds a lot like that Jehovah's witness did to me right like you I don't feel like you actually came here for my benefit that like we're gonna cultivate fellowship in Christ, and you're going to edify me, encourage me, and I'm going to be able to learn from your life. You came here because you felt like your responsibility is to become my teacher, to tell me everything in the world that I've done wrong. And, I mean, that's kind of functional, I guess, but it's not a very good way to build, you know what I'm saying, relationships right. with people in Christ that you've just met that are already saved.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, when you make a statement, understand, yeah, just come at it with humility, really. Yeah. Because we can all look back at the Jehovah's Witness and say, yeah, you're wrong. Like. Right. There's nothing you're right about, so man. <laughs> Heard it here <laughs> first.
1: I, I think that like yeah. just the third landing in this um very long podcast is that have the heart of Christ. Yes. Like what did he come for? Did he come to correct every, you know, wrong thought in a human? No. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Yeah. That's the heart of Christ.
0: Well, I just want to point out, like, everybody wants to have, like, their... I know this is... Bear with me. Everybody wants to have their, like, secret formula of, like, how to evangelize Mormons or how to, you know, how to share the gospel with this specific... Like, or how to change somebody's mind about the rapture. Like, you know, I think, like... what Six I've,
2: steps to preaching the gospel. <laughs>
0: well, what I figured yeah. out is, like... When you actually just focus on the the gospel with people, like, that's what the power of God is, is the gospel. That's what the Bible says. Like, that is the power. It's not beating them mentally. Because some of these cessationists are really good debaters. They sound very strong in what they're saying, and it's scary to talk to. But the power is the gospel, not... You know, yeah. Whatever else. Not, not your vibrato. Right. Yeah. So just want to point that out. Like ultimately there's no doesn't have to be everything else. Just so this is the, the sum, gospel. So
2: the summation is Preach the gospel. Don't be weird. Okay. <laughs> quit quit yeah. doing the stuff that's not biblical. Don't accept the stuff that's not biblical. Don't ever encourage or affirm something that is not biblical. Be willing to correct it. On the other side. Don't be a jerk. Yeah. That is (laughs) focus on looking into the author and perfecter of your faith. Desire to emulate first his heart and from the place of his heart what his hand does. You're a human being, not a human doing. And if a jerk is who you are in your heart, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. Also
1: covet the gifts.
2: Covet the gifts. Yes. <laughs> but especially that you would prophesy. Those, yeah. are, those are Paul's words. Yeah. So just don't be a jerk and don't be weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah l- don't be weird. Unless l- <laughs> <it's-> <laughs> I mean if the Lord if it's according to scripture, okay. Yeah. You know. Don't bring.
0: bring your turkey call to the service and don't rebuke everybody who practices
2: a spiritual gift. Whoa. Yep. Don't send money to the guy that's offering if you. Somebody a has something for to gain bucks, from you coming to the faith. Probably not real. If it's ninety nine dollars for a prophetic word, it's not worth listening to. Yeah, it's
1: garbage.
2: If you if you only open your your app to the the Bible app, you'll find that there are sixty six books of God's word that you can read absolutely free, yeah. and you never have to pay at all.
1: Yeah, not well, only that, but you can just talk to God. Well, some of these Bibles can be expensive.
2: That? Yeah, but real. You don't need a pope or a father mediator. Jesus priest. is the only we one. I mean, you, you do need.
0: need a priest, but not anybody you can. Yeah, uh, you get what I'm saying.
2: Right.
1: So well, let's see how many rabbit trips, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how many subtopics we can bring up. Hey, we can attach it to all. Wait, but we still s- haven't
2: even got to the rapture yet. Right. Mm, well, well, we love you guys. We thank you guys yeah. for listening. We pray this episode has been a blessing to you, and we pray that God has used us somehow to speak uh, his word and his truth and that is able to build you up and encourage you. Uh, we hope that both sides of the spectrum – have a seat at this table um, to to learn from one another to well really to learn from God's word with one another let's do that um, yeah love y'all and from all of us that's what's at the table so God bless you Godspeed don't beat up God's children
1: This is Pastor Kevin O'Connor, and you're listening to At the Table Podcast. This is Dylan from Jamaica,
0: and you're listening to At the Table Podcast. Hello, this is Doctor Kent Hovind of Dinosaur Adventureland, and with the At the Table Podcast.
2: Hey, this is Savannah Donaldson, and you're listening to At the Table Podcast.
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of At the Table Podcast. We hope it blessed you, and we hope it taught you something. Until next time, thank you so much, and God bless.